0: This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com/writingexcuses. Season 16, episode 29.
1: This is Writing Excuses: Building Trust.
0: 15 minutes long.
1: Because you're in a hurry and we're not that smart. I'm Don Juan.
0: I'm Mary Robinette.
2: I'm Dan, and I'm Howard, and you should trust me. <laughs>
0: oh, wow, we're gonna have to work really hard to convince the audience of that. Um, <laughs> it's
2: gonna take more than the first line. I got to tell
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, how can we? Uh, how can we? We build trust with the audience. <laughs> so, one way
3: I think about this is. Uh, <laughs> Uh, one of my friends and clients, Amal El Motar, has this really beautiful metaphor that whenever she talks about writing a book she she uses this metaphor of hospitality right. You are inviting the reader into a space that you 've made for them um, and your part of your job as the um, as the writer as the creator of this space is to make sure they feel secure, they feel well cared for and they feel comfortable now. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to invite them into a cozy, friendly space. You might be writing a horror novel and the thing you've invited them into is a goddamn haunted house, right? So if you are doing that, then you are taking them and you are holding their hand and saying, trust me, I built you a scary experience. But one of the things about a haunted house is you know what you're signing up for. You know, at the end of the day, a murderer is not actually going to stab you. If you violate that boundary, then you've made a very bad experience
1: for your reader. So one because of the things you're trying to been do- stabbed. <laughs> exactly. See now so, all I can think is how can I get that to work? <laughs>
3: <laughs> but one of the things you want to communicate in the opening page is this is the kind of ride that you were on. This is the kind of story that you're on. But also I know what I'm doing and you should trust me. I'm going to take care of you, right? And I think those are important things you really want to communicate to get that sense of trust and also authority. Also, I am in charge here. This is my house. Welcome. This is my space. You're going to be okay.
1: Yeah, I really like the, the, this is the ride you're on metaphor, uh, because that makes so much sense to me. Um, I hate roller coasters. And if I get on a ride at a park with my kids, thinking that it'll be some fun little like Peter Pan thing, and then it turns out to be a roller coaster... I'm never going to that park again,
0: yeah, and a lot of this is just about things that we started talking about last week uh, and the week before um about establishing the breadcrumbs and there's a number of different ways that you can build trust uh with with the 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 audience um, one of those one of my my favorite tools to use is is the voice of the character um I like I enjoy it. whether I'm doing third person or first person. When I pick up a book, the the voice, the tone, tells me so much about what kind of character uh, the the character of the book. In addition to the character of you know the the character, I, I'm a writer. I'll go back and edit that later. <laughs> um, but the the point is that it's. This, the, your word choice, your sentence structure, what the character is thinking about, what you're kind of focused on, all sends a signal to the, to the reader, this is, this is, you're going to get more of this. Come with me, come with me and I'll give, I'll give you more of this.
3: And in addition to the voice, I think one of the things that really establishes what kind of ride we're on, right? I, I think voice is sort of this setting the stage, but then communicating the stakes of your story. I think are one of the best ways to really communicate what are the dangers here? What are the threats here? What kind of genre are we in? What kind of story is this? Um, and by genre, I really mean sort of the the concept of the elemental genre. Is this a thriller? Is this horror? Is this twisty? Is this a romance? Um, and the thing to think about stakes, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about last week, you know, in terms of uh, don't start with an action scene because violence and death are actually not great stakes at the beginning of a story because you don't care about the character yet. Stakes are about relationships. We are people, and so we're wired to connect to other people. I think that's one of the main ways that stories work, is we connect to a character's experience. And what makes that relatable is their relationships to other people, right? Stakes are about a character's connection, their feelings, their a, a conflict between themselves and another person in the world. Or sometimes, you know, a mind divided against itself. Sometimes an internal conflict of the character establishes the stakes of the story. And I think as you can communicate that up front, that can be the most effective way to sort of establish what
2: kind of story and what's on the table and where we're going. You know, I in the the, the first uh, episode we did, Dong Wan, you, know, you talk about... Uh, uh, nobody wants to read a book. You know, your first line is there to prevent people from throwing your book in the trash. Um, I think that on the uh, on the topic of building trust, at some point you have to be willing in that first page to tell people if you don't want to be on this ride, it's okay to put the book down, because there are people for whom this is not a book they want to read, and I would rather they know that soon than be angry at me for having found it out, you know, 60 pages later. The example that I use is the opening scene of the 2011 Three Musketeers movie (laughs) in which a guy wearing steampunk-ish scuba gear emerges from the waters of Venice and fires repeating crossbows at his enemy. And I, re- I looked at that scene and thought, oh, oh, that's the ride we're on. Okay, I'm here. But you know what? If your suspenders of disbelief have already snapped, um, just just pull your trousers up and leave the theater and be done because this isn't a movie for you. And so when I think about building trust I want to make sure, yes, that I've planted the hook so that everybody is going to read to the end of the first page. But then on the first page, I'm going to include things that tell people, this is what you're here for. If this isn't you, it's okay to leave.
0: This is why when you, you you will often hear me talk about like within your first 13 lines, try to get your try to get some hint of your genre element preferably like within that first 3 so that that readers know what they're in for using the example of the three musketeers if we had started with a historically accurate beautiful court scene and then moved to the uh, the repeating crossbow. When you hit to that, you will flip the table and storm out. Whereas the other way, you're setting expectations. It's like, no, you're going to get the pretty flancy clothes, but that's not what this book this this film is about. Yeah, and and so a lot of it with with this is making sure that the reader understands kind of uh, the scope.
1: Every time.
0: And if you love the filet of fish right now
1: you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
0: Why don't we take a moment here and pause for our book of the week?
3: Yeah, so our book of the week is actually going to connect to next week's episode. So, Um, we are talking about Shirley Jackson's masterpiece, The Haunting of Hill House. This is one of the greatest horror novels uh, of, of pretty much all time for me. I think it's one of my favorite books ever. It's um, very different though, from what we expect. If you're thinking of horror as a Stephen King novel, it's very moody. It's very atmospheric. um, And, The thing we're going to be talking about is that first page, really almost just the first paragraph of that book. So if you're not really up for reading a whole horror novel, just feel free to read that first page. But for those of you who are open to it, I think it's really one of the most incredible pieces of literature out there. Uh, There's also an excellent TV show that's been made out of it that has very little to do with the book, but it's also very enjoyable.
0: Um, you. Thank you. So that's The the Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson. Um, and uh, you, you looked like you were about to say something right before we paused for the book of the week. What was, what was that, one?
3: Oh, you know, really talking about this idea of setting those expectations in that first paragraph. You know, when one of the most important questions in publishing, I, I think for me, as I talk about it as maybe the only question of publishing and everything else is some version of it, is deciding who this book is for. But when you decide this book is for this person, inherently in that statement, you are saying this book is not for this other person. Right. And that's OK. It's OK to have your book not be for a certain segment of the audience. Dan doesn't like roller coasters. You shouldn't try to make Dan get on your roller coaster. So I think communicating that in well, that. Don't first say line, it that
1: way, because now everyone is. <laughs>
3: And, you know, I think really being clear about that is really important to let people opt out as much as you're letting them opt in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The other thing for me when we're, we're talking about building trust uh, goes to something that uh, Howard said last episode, which was uh, raising a question and answering it. This is one of the things that I find uh, one of the most effective tools that you can do to build trust with the reader is Because, you know, writing a novel, writing a short story is about withholding information until the point at which you want to deliver it. And so what you want to do is you want the reader to know that you will deliver the information when they need it. And one of the ways you can do that is to raise a question and immediately answer it. Raise a question and immediately answer it. Raise a question. Don't answer it. And they know, okay, I'm not getting the answer right now because it's not important. At this moment, I will get it later. But you want to make sure that those that the ones that are kind of obvious questions, the ones that the, the reader is going, well, hang on, are, are thematically linked to the thrust of your story. Just, uh, you know, a, a question for the sake of why is that happening is is going to, uh, again, with the breadcrumbs, draw them down the, the wrong path. So like, when I'm talking about a thematically linked question, um, if you've got a murder mystery you know why is that dead body on the floor? That's a thematically linked question. You don't want to immediately tell them why the dead body is on the floor because they have to figure it out. Whereas if it's a battle, why is that dead body on the floor? Isn't the question right? That's it's like uh, the the you know there's a dead body on the floor from a a, a bullet wound. Uh, it looks like you know it, it's you know one of the enemy soldiers is on the floor. You you want to answer the question almost before they get to it so that and they to extend aren't pop it's pop yeah,
2: To extend the dead body metaphor, the Which vast don't. majority of us have never been in a room with a dead body. And so often the question is, why am I reading a story about a person? Why is this person in the room with a dead body? Is this a police procedural? Is it a war documentary? You know, what is it? And so that's, I like that question.
1: Well, and I think it's important to, this is such a wonderful example because you can illustrate a lot of different ideas with it. There are a lot of authors, and Dongwon and, uh, mentioned this, I think, last episode, that you have already spent hundreds of thousands of hours thinking about your book and your characters. And so, to you, this might not be a question. You might not realize by putting that dead body on the floor that you are posing a question to the reader. Perhaps what you're trying to do by not explaining the body is to illustrate that the people in this war scene are inured to death and they are desensitized to violence. And you're just trying to show how grim and dismal their life is. But it's actually is a question and the readers are going to wonder about it and that's going to lead them off track.
3: And oftentimes, those questions we also talk about them as story promises, right? If you ask the question, you are promising to the reader, "I will address this in some way, maybe in an offhand way, maybe a small way, maybe a big way." And you know, I think when Mary Robinette's talking about that series of questions that asked and answered, I think of those in terms of as we talk about those story stakes, the way in which the stakes in your opening scene don't have to be the stakes of your whole novel, right? Because if you're getting if you're writing a hundred fifty thousand word epic fantasy. The stakes of the whole novel are not going to exist in that first scene. And it would be madness to try to get them in there, but you need to give us some stakes and those need to be thematically connected to the big stakes, but you're doing a little microcosm. You're giving us a small bubble in which we can understand the kind of story that we're in and where we're going to be going with that. So think about ways that you can have a mirror, smaller version of the stakes of the story as what's in that first scene, what we're engaging with there. So that then we have an idea of where this is all going over the course of the the eight hundred pages that come after this.
0: Yeah, and one of the things that we we talk about so often when when talking about stakes, uh, when talking about you know how to how to make a, a novel more immediate is the character, uh, the character of the the you know the character that you're along the ride on. Uh, something that I have recently had an epiphany about uh, when when Dongwan was talking about. Um, you know a mind divided against itself that when you're you're on a character story that the essential question that the character is asking is who am i you know that they've they've hit something that has caused them to have some doubt or some conflict about who they are and so you can begin to show those cracks in who who their understanding of themselves is even in that that opening opening scene when they have to make have to make a a, a small version of a larger choice that they're going to have to make later that who, who am I? Am I, am I the person who uh, takes the call from my mom or am I the person who finishes ordering my coffee? And, you know, that, that call later is, is about something much, much bigger. Um, and it's, you know, that's a very small stakey thing, but it is, it's that who am I question can, can often lead, uh, to, to more specific and personal stakes later. Um, And actually, Dongwen, do you have, uh, speaking of characters, do you have some uh, homework for us?
3: I do have some homework. Um, The thing that I want you to do is to write down every character that appears in your first chapter, uh, ideally on an index card, and then on those cards, write out what each character's wants and needs are. What does the character think they want? What does the character need to get to resolve their arc? And then ask yourself, what stakes are on the page there that you can work into the scene in an explicit way? you have a strong idea of where each character is going, then you can start injecting those stakes and making sure they're represented on the page in those opening scenes. Um, I have a second piece of homework, which I mentioned briefly earlier, which is we're going to be talking about specific examples for the next few episodes. Next week is going to be the Haunting of Hill House. So do yourself a favor and read that first page. And then when we get into the in-depth conversation, we'll have a little bit more context where we're going.
0: Thanks so much. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. This episode of Writing Excuses was engineered by Marshall Carr Jr. and mastered by Alex Jackson. Your hosts were Dongwon Song, Mary Robinette Kowal, Dan Wells, and Howard Taylor. The episode was brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash writing excuses.